What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up? Nothing. I just not. I just you're not in a great mood, and now I'm not in a great mood, and I just want to get this done because I I have to leave. I have to go to Kensington. Let's just let's just get it out. All right. Well, why don't we just not do it? Do you want to not force it? I mean, I'm. I think it's just let's just do it and get it out of the way. We're not gonna not. Do it. So. Hi, baby. Hello, my love. <clears throat> Ready to talk about some sex? I guess so. You sound like you're uh, you're a little sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm in Vancouver. Uh, I'm not in my own bed. I, uh, I'm pretty tired. I just don't feel, I just feel, I'm just like ready to come home right now. And I'm just over sharing a futon with another hairy man. (laughs) (coughs) I just want to lay in a fucking bed. Which hairy man are you sharing your bed with? Uh, Taylor. Oh, that's good. That's good. He's warm. He's warm at least. A warm body. 
Yeah. Hot breath. I, uh, I've been also not sleeping in my own bed for the last month, and uh, I'm really, really feeling it. I was supposed to take a bus back to uh, Halifax today, but, um, you know, things just did not unfold that way. So instead, I, uh, I'm going to go at 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, Halloween day. And uh, hopefully, that's what we're doing tomorrow. We're driving to Calgary tomorrow. We're gonna be, we're both gonna be on the road tomorrow. Okay, okay. I hope there's probably different times since the time zone change, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm I'm glad because the bus today would have been 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. and I like to be in bed by you know nine. So this this way it doesn't interfere with my actual like life rhythm too much and uh, and actually I got invited in to speak at a high school today about about sex no but I did mention our podcast it, about my about career career path I got invited by what? a career path teacher to come in and speak um, about my experience and I'm sorry not to not to I, I don't mean to offend you here okay but you got asked to go speak to a bunch of students about career path and you up to this point don't really have like a solid career path yet. Well, exactly. Like, do you have it? Do you have a career path? So here, I, this is, I don't even know what to say you do when people ask, what does Bridie do these days? I'm like, I don't really she's know. She's an entrepreneur. I mean, That's all you have to say. <laughs> Yeah, okay. okay, I am... That's the most millennial shit I've ever heard. So what? I'm a millennial. So are you. Listen. Okay. Listen. I'm listening. I'm trying really hard not to be offended right now, but... Oh, but you're super But offended. I am six days out from my period. My breasts hurt. My breasts hurt. My my ovaries hurt. My endometriosis hurts. And I don't, ha- and okay, I don't have yeah. time or the patience for your bullshit. Okay, well, okay, then why don't you fill me in? What did you tell these kids? What was the thing that you well, said? Because, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to say that you're not doing uh-huh. shit. Because mm-hmm. you, you work harder than anyone mm-hmm. I know, period. <laughs> <laughs> but Backpedaling, but, backpedaling. <laughs> no, no. But I also feel like you're you're in a position right now where you're trying to, like, you're trying to nail it down. You're trying to figure it out, right? So So I'm curious, what did you tell these kids? What I what I what I told I hope, them. I hope you gave them a dose of fucking reality. Well, what I I told them, them the whole my whole story from high school <laughs> to now in terms of like career wise and education too, and um, and basically the only reason I did it was because the teacher was like I want to I want them to see that there's not just one path and that 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 um, it's often not linear. And I was like, okay. So I, I went in and I was like, you know, when your teacher asked me to speak, I was like, what career path? You, you want me to talk about acting? You want me to talk about um, teaching yoga? Do you want me to talk about the podcast? Like what? And he was like, exactly. I'm like, all right, okay. Exactly. So I actually all really fucking enjoyed it. I spoke to them for an hour. Whoa. Uh-huh. They had really good questions. And, um, hours a long time, babe. That's a I long, know. That's a long chat. I know. First, um, he starts every class with like a mindfulness exercise. So I guided that first. 
And then we got into it, and he had these like photos up on a on a slideshow of like screen production shots from movies I've done, and one from that retreat we did in Hawaii. And um, who the fuck is this teacher? How does he know all this? He shit? is the partner of a yoga teacher here, so okay. he just saw me at the studio. Anyway, so I went in, and I was like. Basically, my main message, I didn't really prepare anything. I was like, it's unclear to me even today where it is that I'm going. But over the last like 15 years of feeling my way through and trying everything that piqued my curiosity, what I'm sure of is that is that I all of these things are are a part of the same path and that they that they that it will make sense like when i look back on what i'm doing right if i'm like how did i get here now like i can see i can see the steps that got me here so I, my message was like just don't be worried that you know it's not obvious where you're headed follow your curiosity and keep yeah. and and keep inching them all forward, keep progressing in all of your interests and some of them will turn out to be hobbies and some of them will will turn out to be careers that work or things that taught you something but you decided to go in a different direction. Like you really don't know what you don't know. So just get out there and keep moving forward. And because um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and I was very forthcoming about the fact that like I have a I suffer from imposter syndrome in everything that I do and that I still don't know like what I'm doing but I trust myself enough to follow my curiosity and my my intuition even if it's even if it's really if I'm really not sure what it is I'm supposed to get from it um, yeah so I felt really good and people ask good questions like how do you find out what you're interested in and um and you were like just go to a sex club and be open to whatever <laughs> yeah sign your you never know you might you might find out you like being just consent on. to everything and uh <laughs> no i didn't it was nothing sexual I, I think i just said like just you know notice how you feel when you're in the middle of something like are you losing yourself yeah. in it you know, where does your mind go to when you have free time? What does you? That's really, that is something that you, that, it, that also like really does translate to sex. I mean, considering this is a sex podcast, but like, yeah. you know, where does your mind go? Yeah. Where does your mind go when you're in this thing? That's true. Yeah. And, it's like that flow state. How, mm-hmm, yeah. And like how I was having a conversation with someone the other day about how, how, a lot of times for whatever reason we we get so caught up in our heads when having sex especially when having sex for the first time with someone especially with like a like a a one night stand type situation or like like or like first time sex we're so in our heads mm-hmm. and i think that's the reason why a lot of times first time sex is never mind blowing is never like really great right like when and, and when it is really great for the first time with someone, it's like, it's it's this like whoa that was so revolutionary. Yeah, you know because whatever whatever the the circumstances that were that led to you to get to that moment where neither of you were in your heads about the the experience, it's like it just really changes it. Um, mm-hmm. How about that segue into sexual context? Oh, I love it. 
It's okay. great, yeah. It was good, eh? Yeah. It was yeah. great. I mean, um, the thing is, is nothing exists in isolation. So that it's like, <laughs> it applies. Of course it applies to sex. Uh, did you did you just cut out? Are you still there? Uh, I'm still here. I don't, can you hear me? Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, I can hear you. Sorry. Um, all right. Well, okay. So, well, that's sweet. You were talking to those kids. Uh, you changed some fucking lives. Um... Uh, well, let's chug along here. We're like, I know that we 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 had something we wanted to touch on today, which was uh, uh, last month's Patreon foreplay ex- exclusive. You and I sat down and had a discussion about the world's most expensive sex toys, yeah. and uh, and so we went through this list, which was mm-hmm. um, it was like the ten most expensive sex toys in the world. Um. But in the foreplay, we only did the top uh, seven, and we saved the top three for for the show. So if if you if you want to listen, if you want to know what those those first seven were, uh, go support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash turn me on, mm. and uh, you can hear that combo there. But Brian, let's uh, why don't you run us through these the top three, the ones that we saved most. Ex- All yeah, right, okay, yeah, the last ones. Okay, um, hang on here, let me. Because we're not we're not talking about like, you know, you've got a you've got the Vesper, which is kind of a that's a, that's a bit of a lavish, expensive sex toy that you wear around your neck. It's a necklace and a and a diddler, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got that you've got that steel butt plug that's that looks like it's it's concrete know, been forged from it's, the it's, center. It's of polished your... concrete, I think, actually. <laughs> polished concrete. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that is an anal terrage if I've ever heard one. No, it's smooth. It's smooth as oh, eggs. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> um, okay, so we're on the richest uh, website on the planet, and uh, we're up into the the fifty k price range, high fifty k. We're looking at fifty nine thousand one hundred and fifty four dollars for the Victor oh, fan fuck the Victor Phantasm. It's an <laughs> It's an 18 karat diamond ring mounted. Okay, wait. Okay. Wait. It's an 18 It's an 18 karat diamond ring mount No, no, no. It's an 18 karat diamond ring mounted dildo. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yeah. It's an 18 karat diamond ring mounted dildo there's they're not using quite the right punctuation here so i can't quite tell what they're talking about um the rich the rich don't fucking care about punctuation babe uh-huh they don't need it okay so wait how, how does this work i don't fucking get it um so you can you can pull it apart you can take it apart and uh you can wear it on your finger but it looks like then you 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 oh. screw it back in, maybe, and it becomes oh. a mount for a dildo. I see it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And and the the sort of the the that little piece, the ring, is what is what connects the the mount to the to the dildo yeah. itself. Yeah, like that's the like. It's, it's kind of like if you okay, picture that's super uh, super confusing for listeners, but like if you I, picture I a butt plug, if you've ever seen one, it has like a little circular sort of stand. And then it narrows in, and then it expands up into the, to the like, 
the hefty part of the butt plug. But the little narrow part between the base, the stand, and the actual like toy is to prevent it from like getting lost and just sucked right up into your bum. So that the yeah, 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 yeah. So oh, God, yeah, yeah, so that the ring in this case, the diamond ring, um, 177 diamonds uh, will will not get Jesus. sucked into your bum or your vagina. So ba- it's basically a fucking dildo that you just slip a ring off and can wear the ring. Mm-hmm. That's fucking dumb. All right, number two. Let's go to number two. Okay. The Royal Pearl. Holy sweet mother it of God. I'm looking at this right now. It is $1 million. It's a vibrator. How does this thing, how does this thing not tear up the vagina or butthole of anyone who's I love it. This. this looks horrible it is embellished with 1000 white and pink sapphires pearls and diamonds the piece that controls the device can be detached and fitted on a necklace get the fuck you know out what it looks here. like who who's paying a million dollars to shove this in there maybe hula? the queen cuz look at the look at the uh, <laughs> the top of it is a yeah. fucking crown it is the crown. Yeah, that's right. It looks like a fucking spaceship that was made for the queen. It looks like a Soyuz rocket for the queen only. Yeah. Oh my god, I this think, thing is fucking you know, crazy. It's it's one it's of the designs of, of Colin. It does Byrne look like a bit of a rocket partner, ship, Nick, like with those blue Dallas. sapphire windows dotted along the side, you know, or like an airplane kind of. It look they look Ugh. like airplane windows. Okay, now this that one's me... this one's confusing. I'm gonna have to. This one is. Um, oh, number what? one. Okay. Okay. Number one yeah. is is a, I'm assuming a customized sex toy given to Victoria Beckham by David Beckham, um, aka Posh Spice. Posh Spice is 1.8 million dollars. Um, the vibrator mm. is designed by the owner of a strip club in London. Um, it was it was designed for Victoria Beckham when she was no. pregnant. Mm-hmm. It's made it's no. made of platinum with a ten no. carat diamond encrusted base that is linked to no. a sixteen carat diamond necklace. It is considered to be one of the most insanely expensive sex toys and pieces of art on the sex market. Holy, dude! I it's had not no even I- pictured here. No, of course not, because it's 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 Victoria Beckham. She doesn't want people to know. It. She doesn't want people to know it. This is crazy. I didn't know this. I didn't realize that David Beckham and Victoria Beckham were like. They must be having some wild sex. <laughs> really? Because she has dude. A they must be having because she they're having well, two mean, million dollar sex. They're ha- yeah. If he's going, oh, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my baby a, a vibrator and I'm gonna drop two million like dollars. On this vibrator, that's yeah, but maybe they're not, and that's why he's like overcompensating. Oh, don't ruin this for me. I like picturing them having the best sex. This is uh, this is great. I'm just. I mean, they're too they're too pretty for me. They're they're far too pretty. I'm not I'm not even like. Uh huh. They are very. Although you know what, I'd probably let David. I'd probably let I'd I'd let David. I'd let David Beckham kiss me. I think if he asked politely. <laughs> So I googled uh, Victoria Beckham sex toy, and um, three yeah. three down, 
Um, the the headline is sex toy firm makes dildo in the shape of David Beckham's head. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> that that probably that probably can't be cheap either. <laughs> no, I'm sure. It's oh not. God. Uh, all right. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, if if anybody, any of the listeners out there, have a, a pretty like expensive sex toy that they consider expensive, I mean. Anything, anything south of fifty thousand dollars, I think, is considered expensive. Um, north of hell, anything, north of. anything north of of uh, no, I mean anything south of at fifty thousand dollars is insane. Anything, anything below that is expensive. Right. Well, not anything. Not if it's a dollar. It's not a dollar, but like if you're spending over one hundred and fifty dollars on a sex it's toy, expensive. that's a, that's a that's considerable. It, it means you have a considerable you know? amount of privilege to be. I want to know. Yeah, that's true. I want to know what the most expensive sex toy is any of our listeners have purchased. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about the people so, who have, like, kits. Kits of robes, yeah, think, or kits of costumes, or... Yeah, or, like, St. James crosses. Like, that can't be fucking Ooh. cheap unless you build one yourself. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. All right, uh, hit me up with a brain boner there, babe. Okay. Oh, I was all ready to go. And then I lost it. Um, give me one. Oh, that's because I'm in the wrong box, so to speak. Primary. Oh. I did just happen to uh, hit our inbox and saw that CBC would like to speak with us. I don't know if you caught that. Wait, yeah. what? I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, I just saw... CBC... <laughs> I just saw... Okay. Well, yeah, uh, let's not jump ahead. Are you going right, to listen to me? All right. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. listening. Yeah. So this is from a listener in Ottawa. And uh, uh, she says, Dear Jeremy and Bridie, thanks so much for the work you do to help foster a conversation around sex and sexuality. I love listening to your show and learning about all the different ways people do their do and think about their do and don't do their do and sometimes even do their do-do. <laughs> Stop this. <laughs> yeah. You just won my heart. I don't know how I missed that when I scanned your email earlier. Um, side note, please don't put soap in your butthole. My doctor told me it causes yeast infections. Okay. Thank you. Well, I actually haven't had any in like a Thank good you. year. And that's when I, I've been yeah, really well, upping up the butt cleaning. So. Oh, fuck off <laughs> with that. Don't be spreading that misinformation, you psycho. Okay. Because I love your show so much, I'd especially love to hear you talk about a different angle on a topic you've covered twice, the compassionate rejection. You've talked about how important it is for a person to be kind and graceful when they are refusing their lover's advances, but I don't think you've heard, I've heard you talk about how important it is for a person to be compassionate and graceful when they are receiving a rejection. I know you talk a lot about enthusiastic consent and respect, and to a certain extent, I can see how it might go without saying that no must be respected. Even so, I think this is a message we can't afford to stop repeating. I'm a survivor of sexual and relationship violence, so this topic is particularly important to me. I know that a younger version of myself would have taken the idea of saying no gently to heart and would have... Uh, relied on the idea to survive in relationships where my no was punished, ignored, or tested again and again and again until it became a gnarled and twisted yes. It would have been easy, so easy for me to believe that if I just learned how to say no more kindly, my abusers would finally listen. The older, wiser version of me finally understands that no matter how I say it, my no deserves respect. 
I agree that it hurts to hear a no from a person we care about. I completely understand that it's difficult to be vulnerable and open ourselves to rejection. In a healthy relationship, we should absolutely be considerate of our partner's feelings and try to respect the dignity of the person when we say no thank you to sex. By the same token, we should strive to accept our partner's refusals with compassion and love. When someone we love says not right now or no thanks or even just no, we need to see that as a complete answer that should be greeted with absolute respect. We can say that's okay, the invitation is open if something changes. I understand. I love you and I want to be close to you, but I respect that you don't want to have sex. Would you be open to other ways of being close tonight? Or, totally cool, you still rock my world, rain check? Or even just, thank you for sharing with me how you're feeling. We should work to build a trust and deepen our relationships by creating safety and acceptance around the word no. It's not okay to sulk or be mean because we didn't get the sex we wanted when we wanted it. It's not okay to ask for sex over and over and over until we've overcome resistance. It's not okay to withhold affection or connection until we get sex. It's not okay to demand to know why someone doesn't want sex. It is absolutely 100% definitely not okay to hit somebody for saying no or to force ourselves on on someone who's refused us. It's not okay to demean someone in front of others because they've said no. All this should be obvious, but for some people, even well-meaning people, it isn't. With that in mind, I hope you'll take a little air time to explore this topic for anyone who isn't adept in the art of accepting a no, for anyone who is struggling to believe in their own no, and for anyone else who might be listening. With lots of love and just a tiny dash of woo-woo, Jess from Ottawa. That was a great email. Yeah, great email. I mean, I I feel like she kind of nailed it and just covered Uh it. Uh, Can you talk? What are your like? What do you? Do you have any like personal experience in receiving a no? Yeah, for sure. Um, like being, you mean being the person who gets rejected? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I like, I definitely, for sure, in my past, have been guilty of like of being like sulky about yeah. it. You know, like, Man, but I, but I want to come. You know, like <laughs> that's that's like. <laughs> That's not so attractive. I've done that. I've yeah yeah uh, yeah. That really ups your chances, right? I've done that before, and um, and I've 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 ruminated on this and and thought about how not okay that is. Yeah, you know, I know that that's not okay, and but I but I also am am I'm not going to lie to myself and and say that I've never done that before because I fucking have, and it's stupid. Mm. Um, and I think that I think like when you're able to recognize that you have done that before or you have been guilty of doing something to that degree, then it makes it a lot easier for you to to check yourself in the future when when that sort of situation might arise and go, OK, well, this is this is happening and this is OK. Yeah, it's OK that this is that, you know, that we aren't going to have sex right now or whatever. Uh-huh. Um and that just that just makes you a better communicator and a better lover and so yeah they're like i th- i think for sure th- to be the person who receives a no there there has to it has to be taken in this very mindful and and like caring way mm. it it goes both ways from giving the no and also receiving the no like it ha- it has to be it has to be it has to be received and given with love or else or else it just it it just leads to resentment yeah um, yeah yeah and i think too when you're 
my only experience with being um, rejected for sex is within um, a relationship because I haven't had many experiences outside of a relationship. So I, it is particularly, I've been reading a little bit about this and listening to Esther Perel talk about um, how wounding it can be to hear no from someone who you've placed all of your, um, like you've given them all the responsibility in the world for, um, like reinforcing your sexual attractiveness, particularly if you're in an, in a monogamous relationship and, um, and, you know, but you also rely on that person for security and safety, like your emotional well-being. Um, so when you, when that person says no, it can be really hard to take that in and not be like, well, I'm not going to put myself forward again because I need this person to accept me and be my, like, my, my absolutely 100% sure, you know, that, you know, this is the person I'm supposed to be with or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but like get it's, it, it could be easy, I think, to spiral out into insecurity and I know I have felt that and what I try to do is um just like nip those thoughts in the bud as soon as I notice I'm having them um you know that's a really nice suggestion like asking if there's other ways ways that we could be close that would be comfortable, like just a snuggle or mm. a massage or, you know, lay together, whatever that might be. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just really important for me anyway to remember that it's not personal. It's not about my attractiveness or whatever. It could be anything like you can have a bad dream about something and wake up and be like, no, 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 no. Like I, I I am not in the mood and I won't be in the mood for a while because I've been affected by this thing or, you know, there could be any, I'm just kind of rambling now, but there could be any real reason that person is saying no and to be able to accept that without taking it personally is, is a skill that needs to be practiced. That's right. Just like fucking everything and anything. It's a skill, you know, that needs to be practiced. So yeah, I love I love that email. I'm glad that came through. Yeah. That was really that was really Me sweet. Too. Thanks, Jess. <clears throat> See you um, in Ottawa, maybe in January. Whoop. Yeah. May, well, I, I don't know about maybe. I think it's pretty much. Confirmed. Yeah, we're coming to Ottawa. Uh, we're coming to Ottawa in January, uh, but we'll give you more details when we have all the information. Mm-hmm. Cool. First of all, I want to say I'm glad that we ended up doing this because right before we started this recording, or well, we were technically recording. Uh, uh, I wasn't feeling it. I don't think you were. F- mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but it. I feel. I. You know. This is nice. I. I needed this. I. I'm. I needed this. So thank you for that, baby. I needed what? The interview. Thanks. The conversation. Well, just think. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you about you and me right oh, now. Me too. Oh, you I weren't feeling this. N- this. No, I wasn't feeling you and me. Oh. No. This morning. No, me neither. Me neither. I I thought. So I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad we did. did. I know. I always know. Once we get into it, it's it's gonna be good. That's the kind of thing. Yeah. That I know, even when I'm resistant. 
But the same yeah, thing, the same thing about the the in- interview or the conversation we're about to jump into. I I was with with Russell. With Russell, I was really nervous going into it. That's what I mean. You right. can pro- you're probably going to be able to hear that a mile away. And why were you nervous? Um, do you or do you just do you touch on it more in the? episode? I don't really touch on it in the episode. I think it's a really big. Um, Russell's the first person that I ever met that is transgendered, but also the first person I ever met that used the pronouns they and them. And it, like, you know when you have a tongue twister and your tongue feels all, like, cramped, like muscle cramped? It was like that in my brain, trying to make sure that I didn't use the wrong pronouns. This is the first account encounter. And it wasn't until we had this conversation that I realized there's a whole other dimension to this this um, this person's uh, um, gender identity. And, and it led me to... Um, it led me to be really nervous going in because now we've had this couple of years of like experience talking to people and developing a vocabulary and I think I was just really all of a sudden really afraid again to fuck up you know and to like offend and you know Russell's an artist that I admire and Russell is uh, someone who is whether they want it or not has become like for lack of a better word, poster child or a spokesperson in my small community for um, safe spaces and um, like gender inclusive languaging and stuff like that. So I quite vocal too about it uh, through social media. And mm-hmm. so I find that I find that quite intimidating. Um, and I was I was nervous. I was really nervous. But it Ooh. wasn't until we got into the conversation that I realized what this uh, the other layer of this um, of this person's like gender identity is. You know, it made me go Google like what's the difference between sex, not like sex like doing it sex, but like sex um, and gender. And I found a really cool video. I've only watched a few minutes of it, but it's very timely for the moment. And um, it's like a 40-minute documentary, kind of, um, called Sex and Gender Are Not the Same. And it's on the CBS News website. And I I can't, like, vouch for their, you know, their them at all. But I'm just starting to watch it, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I have so much to learn. Um that that gender the it says like the the Trump administration is is considering defining gender as determined by sex organs at birth um so i guess i guess what this is saying is that sex is is uh is more of a physical thing whereas gender is more of a an internal thing uh, anyway, it, there's just so much to unpack there. But anyway, I'm glad we had this yeah. conversation. <clears throat> I'm glad we did too. And I think in light of all that bullshit that's going on down in the States, this is a, it's a, a pretty 
timely conversation to have. So uh, we hope you enjoy this as much as we did. And uh, I guess, as always, we'll see you on the see other you side. Soon. Especially when you go see someone like Jack White or, you know, someone who like really takes a microphone totally. and fucking... James Murphy, LCD Sound yeah, System. Yeah, yeah, James yeah. Murphy, yeah. 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 Oh my God. Yeah, so dude. good. I love nerding out on that shit. Yeah, so good. Um, so Russell, you are, you're a musician. Yes. Okay, sweet. Um, what kind of music are you into? Uh, I'm into all kinds of music. The kind of music I make is electronic, kind of experimental pop music. Um, very lyrical, but... I grew up around all kinds, like classical, yeah, a lot of experimental stuff, but then my mom was into like Carole King and Ella Fitzgerald, and like, yeah, there's there's a lot of influences. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, PEI is one of those, intri- are you are you born and raised? Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. PEI, I don't know what it is, but there's something in the water here where it's like everybody, everybody is raised in this, this upbringing that is just like so rich with music i mean right. like i was we had fraser who's also from here right he was on uh sick boy the other podcast that i host okay and it, talking to him about it too and it was just like it's it just seems like the culture here on the island is so music heavy big time i mean i think it's i think it has to do with just like the general climate of living in PEI like with the tourist season and then everybody goes away and then it's winter and it's like hell and there's nothing else to do but practice an instrument what do we do to not go (laughs) deep into depression pretty much pick up a guitar yeah yeah holy fuck yeah can i swear uh absolutely not great no No, okay (laughs) um uh yeah you can say whatever you want fucking noted bud (laughs) we had a we had a woman in here yesterday who was um 62 and i had i had told her she's a sexologist so i was like come on in chat with us and uh but i didn't tell her that much about the podcast (laughs) and then jeremy's like running his mouth and her husband's sitting over there watching the whole thing and every time he swears they both kind of shift in their chairs and i was like (laughs) i was like in the middle you know trying to be like don't mind him really am i (laughs) that am i that like I mean, I know, I do know, I'm fully aware that I swear a lot, but am I, am I that we talking, oblivious we should, to it? We were talking about erectile dysfunction and Jeremy just kept calling, talking about boners and uh, painful boners. Boner and, and, is wow. a funny word to me. <laughs> it I, is kind of a funny word. It's I a hilarious word. It's like, you know, it's, it's way funnier. I think boner might be one of the funnier words out there. Like it's, yeah. and it's so, so juvenile too, but oh. like boner. Boner. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, it, I like it. I, I like it too, but... I, I was, was just, aware that... I was just really worried she was going to leave. I, <laughs> was, I, love it. I was aware that that word for her was like a little bit... Was a little bit much. But she's a therapist. I'm sure yeah. she's heard these things Oh, before. yeah. I, I don't think that was like her first rodeo. No. Yeah. No. Um, so how do you identify? I, I know that... So I, I don't know... We've met a number of times, yeah, but yeah. I don't really know you that well. No. And I feel like this is going to be one of the things that we're actually probably going to dive into quite a bit on the podcast. Totally. Also, considering the fact that you're from PEI, PEI. Mm. I think there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to talk about there. So mm-hmm. why don't you fill, fill everyone in? Uh, yeah. Okay. Fill everyone in. Well, I am non-binary, uh, trans. Um, both of those 
identities. Some people identify as non-binary and some people identify as trans um, and some people identify as both. I but just, those things are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. I mean, no, they're not. Because I think like, I don't know. I think there are as many genders as there are people. So people are just going to identify with whatever. Um, I identify with both parts of those identities because, I mean, because I don't identify with the gender, but also um, I do very much identify with the trans community in terms of uh, the struggles I face and the types, uh, the type of community I need in spaces that, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, yeah, I I don't identify as a woman or a man. Uh, I use they, them pronouns, sometimes he, if I want to have some fun with it, because I do... I guess I am perceived as a transmasculine human. Um, what does that mean, transmasculine human? Well, it's a good question <laughs> because there are like, I, I as much as I, I identify or present as a transmasculine human, I also have a trouble with it because the entire the entire part of being non-binary is that there you're not really identifying with the gender binary that is right. which is man like and woman man woman yeah, yeah exactly right and then when you're trans masculine and trans feminine um you're still kind of giving that binary some validity which i don't personally identify with right. but right. i also understand that other people do and is that validity you know? in a in a visual context or or like a like how, like how does the how does that um, like validity in what kind of way you know what I mean like trans masculine versus trans feminine like mm-hmm. how would how would you how would you break that down well I is think it like the way that you you dress yourself in the in the morning or is it or is it, or is it more of like a well that's how I like feel on the inside. yeah I think it's how you feel I think it boils down to how you feel I mean however you dress I mean. In, in my opinion, clothes just don't have a gender, but right. there, I also make <laughs> this space. This is a lady shirt. Yeah, yeah, this exactly. Is a, a man shirt. It's a shirt, yeah, actually. It's, a shirt. it's, it's just, just a, a shirt. shirt. It's a shirt. Does it fit you? Good. It's a shirt. It's your yeah. shirt. You're welcome. Um, gender is like a shirt. Uh, yeah, no, I think that, um, like, often trans masculine people are defined by someone who is assigned female at birth and um, identifies on the trans spectrum uh, and takes steps to, uh, quote unquote, masculinize your body sure, um, or your appearance. Uh, that being said, like, the more I try to define trans identities, the more confused I get because there are so many, like I said, there are as many genders as there are people. And it yeah. honestly just boils down to like that person's experience. So like in order for me to like, you know, define a trans feminine experience, you would have to ask a trans, like someone who identifies that right. way. Right. See, um, that's, that's one of those things where it's, so I'm, how old are you? 23. 23. Okay. So I'm 30. Uh, you're 34, Brady. And this is what this is one of those things where, like, especially in the last, I would say, five, six years, um, the the whole like the whole dialogue surrounding non-binary, uh, a, a lot of the dialogue surrounding like trans trans rights and trans like oh, yeah. those kinds of things are they always existed, mm-hmm. but they were they were never like the 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 foreground of the conversation. Oh, and now it's yeah. like, now it's like everybody is at least somewhat aware totally. that there's an existence of it. Totally. 
But I feel like it's so new that, and even someone who hosts a fucking podcast about sex and mm-hmm. relationships and and uh, gender, mm-hmm. I'm I'm still trying to like. It's like every single day I'm trying to learn or like wrap my head around. Okay, well, mm-hmm. wait. So wait, what does that mean? What like? Yeah, can yeah. I still sort it into yeah? Columns? And I mean, that's, of, of course, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, but that's how we've been. That's how we've been raised, right? Is yeah. to right. Like, how do we we let's give meaning to everything? But the more and more I learn, the more and more I'm starting to realize, like, um, it is so vast, it is so broad, mm-hmm. and it is it it is so specific to the individual. Yeah, which. I totally understand. Mm-hmm. I totally understand why that is. That would be so uh, confusing and frustrating for someone who's been stuck in one way for their entire life. Oh, completely, completely. And it's like you know, I. I mean, I had pretty. I was. I had a pretty progressive upbringing, despite the fact that I grew up on PEI. I mean, my right. parents were really cool. My mom was like, you know, she <laughs> when she was a young adult, like. She was a part of the feminist scene in Montreal. And, you know, even though that was kind of second wavy and had its own problems, she's always had like very open mind, a very open mind to queerness, to transness. Um, And, you know, my dad was was a pretty similar way. He's a poet. Like they're both artists. Mm -hmm. They're like they get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I was also raised to want to sort things into boxes and in order to be able to process them. So I also like when I realized I was trans and I mean, there wasn't a particular moment where I realized I was trans, but when I started to develop the language to understand that I was trans, I had to do that unpacking on like a cellular level. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh shit, who I am actually stands against all this crap that I've been told that actually isn't true. You know, it's like even thinking about like, the way that people talk about you're either male or female well it's like you start to understand that there are actually a staggering amount of intersex individuals like you know like Mm -hmm. and and so then that binary gets broken down because Mm -hmm. like well what does that mean and then you start to like okay well it's it it has to do with your chromosomes well there's actually like a variety of chromosome combinations that someone can have and you know it's like non-binary identities have existed and like gender and sex being paired in the same category is so harmful because it erases so many people Mm. and so like having these realizations in a place like PEI it was like I felt like a total alien growing up because I I I I started I was a gender creative child too in a town of 800 people I was I, w- I presented in a masculine way. I like had my hair cut short. I wore a tie to my my Christmas concerts and like my dad taught me how to pretend shave. Like it was it was that was who I was mm-hmm. and I remember getting so much shit for it and just not caring. At what at what age did you start getting shit for it? Cuz I feel like little kids mm-hmm. are pretty open-minded yeah it's fascinating until huh? a certain point totally yeah. well i i started i started presenting i started um exploring gender and how i presented myself i guess when i was eight and that's when i started getting shit for it okay like i i, I got shit for it from the get-go i was getting called names like he she they you know like it wasn't but i just didn't I was so comfortable in myself that I just literally, I could not give less of a fuck. That's amazing. Right. Yeah, it was amazing. I, and yeah. It really was... speaks to your parents. I feel 
like a child's sense of confidence mm-hmm. really comes from being accepted and yeah. being spoken to like an equal and, totally and given you know choice and like some empowered to make their own decisions like getting dressed you know and that's something that I think a lot about because I grew up the oldest of five girls in my yeah. house and we all just we shared all the same clothes right. there it was all hand-me-downs the yeah. whole time so there in a way our I, maybe I didn't get dressed first thing in the morning but our clothes were picked for us and then I remember going off to university for the first time and like going to Kensington Market in Toronto mm-hmm. and being like oh these are the things that I like like yeah. now all of a sudden I'm starting to develop a way to express myself through my clothing totally. which just I didn't even think about before yeah you know yeah um I want to come back to so uh, and and you know that I there's again coming back to like the this is all still trying to wrap my head around mm-hmm. everything and like and I I also want to be very uh very blunt in saying that like oftentimes when talking about these these subjects I I get this like feeling like oh oh god I'm like I'm just walking on eggshells because the last mm-hmm. thing I want to do is is offend yeah. without the intention of offending totally primarily because of my own ignorance for not knowing how to like navigate those right. conversations you know yeah like it like your pronouns are them they mm-hmm. but like I, I i consciously found myself sitting here going but definitely for sure don't say he or she at any moment <laughs> you fucker I mean, like you I... motherfucker don't you fucking say it don't you dare say it don't slip into Look, that i mean accident. that's another example of of something that i was raised with that i also had to unpack on a cellular level like i get it i get the transition i yeah. i've misgendered myself yeah dude. right yeah. like it happens yeah. and you know i think i think it's better to practice caution when um addressing uh trans folks when you're not familiar with the pronouns with you i think it's i think that's a like i don't think that's a bad instinct but i also don't think you know i don't think you should be so afraid that you um shut down the opportunity for learning yeah or shut down the opportunity to actually even communicate yeah exactly i think that's the most important one exactly and yeah and it's also like yeah and when i say learning i also mean like you know i i find like as a trans person on pei i tend to be like a beacon for people to just like ask me questions that actually require like quite a bit of emotional labor and like Mm -hmm. i get a lot of messages from kids and from adults who are just like coming out as trans or just starting to understand their identity and like while i want to be able to help as many people as possible and i'm happy to do that it's also like there's a personal boundary that i set up Mm-hmm. around like what I'm willing to give and when I'm willing to give it. Mm-hmm. So it's also just like understanding that level, like maybe practicing sensitivity around that in terms of like the emotional labor you're asking a trans person to right. give to you as an answer. But there's like, luckily like there's so many resources on the internet now. Like, like you were saying earlier, I mean now it's like the forefront of so many conversations that it's like there this are right here. this yeah. will be this will be a resource right no here, totally totally know? and it's and like that makes me so happy that i can like provide that in a mm-hmm. small 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 place mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know? well, okay so what was the what was the sex that you were you were um identified at birth well i was i, I was assigned female at birth okay yeah now 
at what point, like, because I know you said there was I no, wouldn't recommend um, asking that to another trans person. No, of course context. not. No, of course not. Just but, but this is like... Uh, I didn't know, of course yeah. not, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that, I would say that that's mm. probably akin to, like, what was your name before, yeah, yeah, before yeah. you were Brandy or, like, yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, yeah. which... Which I think one of us asked Brandy that on Sick Boy, and she was like, "Yeah, don't ask someone that." Yeah, but, okay. uh, but yeah. it was this. Um, uh, so the reason why I asked that mm-hmm. is is I'm curious to know. You you said that there wasn't one particular moment that kind of clicked for you where you went, "Oh, I'm I'm trans. Mm-hmm. I identify as trans." Yeah. But what was the 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 way you worded it? I found really interesting was that it it wasn't until you were you were given the the uh oh, how did you word it you said something to the effect the of the language like, the language yeah, yeah like the the ability to articulate it yeah where do you think that language came from it came from uh like i i before i was a musician i've only been a musician for about like a touring musician for about a year and a half um but before i was doing i was a performance artist and photographer like interdisciplinary artist and i was going on tours and i was going to festivals like all around the world it was actually really cool and um i started and when i would go to these these places and these festivals around like montreal new york um other places uh i started to immerse myself in queer communities that knew more than I did which was really cool because like as someone that grew up in a small town is like a pretty like lonesome queer not like super lonesome like I still have like queer femme and stuff but like the the resources that are available in smaller places just aren't yeah as progressive as those in larger compare compare Charlottetown to any major city in in the country and it's like the resources for anything are going to be a lot smaller so. so as a result of that I there were problematic things that I was thinking not not problematic in terms of you know I think everybody's problematic when they are when there's just stuff that they don't know but that's the community's job to kind of come in and educate them and I remember going to New York and going to Montreal and like meeting the first person with a they pronoun and thinking like oh well, that's, that's that's super weird. I just they <laughs> what are they are they a crowd? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and right. it yeah. made me so uncomfortable, right? <laughs> yeah. Um because like that's hi. <laughs> that's me. So I I started to just like meet other people and be in larger communities of queer folks that um had done this work and started immersing immersing myself and then kind of coming back to PEI and reflecting and then going away and immersing myself again and then coming back to PEI and reflecting like it just happened over mm-hmm. like a a small period or like a of slow gradual yeah. period yeah, of time yeah, yeah right. sure yeah. yeah and then um how did that so okay so then yeah. uh within that transition mm-hmm. um let's let's kind of steer this towards towards sexual relationships mm-hmm. How, how old are you around this time, like of this sort of gradual period? Uh, well, I started touring when I was 17, okay. so 17 to 19. And were you sexually I... active at that, like around oh, yeah. those times? Yeah, yeah. So how was your, how were you expressing yourself in your, in your own like sexuality with others? Were you, were you, were you engaging in like same sex relationships mm-hmm. or, or at least like 
queer relationships yeah. with other well i was definitely queer identified i was sure. i i i identified as like i guess i identified as a i didn't really identify anyway i was a i i was read i think as a as a cisgender uh woman right um but i would engage in sexual relationships with anybody um so on like the pansexual kind of spectrum. Yeah, of, I mean, like, yeah, that's another like the more I, I try to define my sexual preference preference by like who or like the more I guess I try to identify myself with who I fuck, the more confused I get because it's <laughs> right, just like right. you know, yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I would have sexual relations with everybody. I mean, not every. You know what I mean. But is, there, um, is there something? Is there something? Anybody? Anybody? No. <laughs> is there something confusing to you about like about identifying as pansexual? No, not really. I just I don't know. I just don't. Just I don't think think about it. Yeah, like, in terms like it's of just a label. yeah. I just don't like the less labels I have in my life. Generally, the better. So it's there's like, already so many. Because <laughs> there's already so many, and it's like I don't even really like those labels. Yeah. You know, I just want to like have healthcare that I need, and like yeah. you know, I I identify this way to be able to get people to process it. I you know? I agree. I you feel know? very similar to you yeah. in that because I that's something that I've kind of. And and probably not near to the degree as you, but mm-hmm. but that is something that I've like questioned about myself, especially over the last like couple of years, especially since we opened things up in our yeah. in our relationship. But like, you know, I'm I don't I do, I definitely if someone was like, "Are you straight?" I'd be like, "I don't think yeah. I don't think I'm just a straight like yeah. cis male." Yeah, yeah. I because I kind of sometimes really like the idea of doing things that don't fall within that yeah however i'm not constantly practicing that totally nor am i going out of my way to seek it but i just think about it a lot and i don't think that's really yeah so i like i but also i know i'm not i don't i know i'm not queer i don't feel like i identify as queer Yeah, yeah i don't think i identify as pansexual yeah so I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, totally. So who, and you so don't have to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that there's, yeah, I think it's important to, especially with the current climate of like gender discourse, um, I think it's just important to embrace uncertainty and that like there's no way that you mm-hmm. can actually know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I just like in, yeah, in my sexual relationships, it was always like, I remember especially like having um, sex with, uh, cis guys it was kind of a really interesting um like uh, like uh, like identifying me with me identifying as trans um but also being like assigned female at birth mm-hmm. there was kind of a uh there were uncomfortable conversations that i navigated because mm-hmm. they would be like, well no i'm not queer and i'm like okay but like you're having queer sex right now mm-hmm. like that's what this is right because like this isn't you know it's yeah, it's yeah. yeah so it's like Navigating that is kind of interesting. And I mean, I generally like, I think right now my sexuality is in a, like, versus like before where it was like when I was like 19, 20, um, primarily sleeping with uh, cis folks. I think like I'm generally more drawn to other trans folks right now, just like as a, like as an emotional safety thing. It's not that I'm not attracted to cis people. It's just like, that's kind of where I'm at, like just where I live and how much I travel. And it's like, you know, I know that like there's going to be a basic level of understanding there. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, like in, in my personal journey of 
um, transness, I guess there, like I do deal with, uh, gender dysphoria, which is also like a very real thing. Um, which is essentially like I define gender dysphoria as the, um, distress that comes with a dissonance between who you are and how you're seen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. that's like the most broad, simple way I can describe it from my personal experience. Um, so yeah, just like having someone like, I think that's, that's the main prerequisite right now is like somebody who, who understands and appreciates and hears my transness and who I am. Um, but can also listen to my wants and needs like regarding, uh, like whether or not I'm okay in my body that day you know that's also like a very real thing that that I'm I think about a lot now in terms of like what affects my tech life you know turn me on we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. In the in that sort of uh, that transitional period of of starting to you know fall into that identifying as trans mm-hmm. uh, and and I guess from that point up to now like mm-hmm. have you ever have you ever thought of or gone through with any sort of like hormonal therapy to to uh, I guess like uh, well that's not where my dysphoria lies like okay. I I mean. Not all the time anyway. I don't know. Like it's 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 complex. Like I, yeah. I think like like right now basically I've been hustling on PEI to get access to top surgery, which mm-hmm. has been very interesting because there's actually like most most um gender affirming surgeries in Canada are provided in, in uh private clinics. 
most. And the public, like, if there are any that are being performed in, um, like, general hospitals, the wait lists are, like, years long. Okay. Oh, really? You can't wait that long. Like, it's, like, you know... um, so I got yeah. a I got a question about yeah. that. That this is something I was actually like thinking to myself the other day. Top surgery, top surgery would be the removal of breasts. Yeah. Okay. And 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 like reconstructive. Yeah, it's it's chest. They, yeah, like still they, have a nipple and yeah. Right. Is so would that be considered a mastectomy? No, no, and that's that's the um, the misconception. So on PEI. Over the past uh, few years, they've been saying that they provide top surgery, but they're actually just um, providing a mastectomy Which and is, doing no construction, okay, that, no okay, follow-up. So that's where... They're that's, doing no contouring so that if you gain or lose weight, your scars get really fucked you, up. Like, you, you know, it's you. just like... So that's where the line is drawn. A mastectomy yeah. is just just removal yeah, straight up. they're just cutting shit off. And then you know. top surgery... There's a reconstructive. Would be reconstructive. Yeah, so they it's save like, some of the nipple. They like. I mean, it, there are yeah. different types of top surgery that you can get. Um, the type I want is where they um, like remove the breast tissue or most of the breast tissue, save some of the nipple. They do contouring mm-hmm. to make sure. Um, a couple of my friends have had top surgery, and, yeah. and and actually a couple of my friends have had mastectomies. Mm-hmm. And now I'm realizing, oh, oh, right, of course, that yeah. would be that's where the difference lies. Totally, right, is the reconstructive totally. aspect to it. Yeah, right. Um, okay. So in order to get that done, like I, there's a clinic in Ontario that is a private clinic, but like this, this is a clinic that specializes in top surgery. They're like the the doctor's been performing the procedure for 25 years. Like that's who I want to trust with my chest yeah. for a it, permanent procedure. Is and, it mad expensive because it's a private clinic? Yeah, it's like ten thousand dollars all in. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I actually started a campaign. So just going to backtrack. So there's a there's been a policy on PEI in the healthcare system that um, prevents you from accessing uh, any procedure in a private clinic off island. They won't fund it. Um because it's in a private clinic and that like that's if you have like a heart issue that's like like you have to prove a really intense case to access funding for that but recently i was like called to the legislature by my friend she was like get there now wear something nice and uh they made an announcement that they would start funding surgeries off island and i was like okay but like what about the private clinic thing does anybody know what that and i essentially like all the everybody that i talked to um was like well we don't actually know but we're gonna try we're gonna try and i was like okay okay so there's kind of a weird in between state happening right now, and and um, but luckily there's like I there's a a pretty fierce community of of parents and uh, trans folks, like parents of trans folks and trans folks that are uh, lobbying the government pretty hard. Right. And Peers Alliance is also doing incredible work. Right. Um. Yeah. So there's um. I think I think change is happening. Uh. But it's just like, I find so much of like my experience being trans on PEI has just been waiting for a fucking answer. Just right. waiting for an answer, not even for the thing to happen. Just like, is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. So I, I started a campaign to raise money to just pay for my top surgery. Cause I was getting like, it was an emergency. It still kind of is an emergency, but I raised three and a half thousand dollars. And then they made this, this announcement. And I thought, well, okay, well, I don't want to raise like $10,000 and then have it paid for. And then what do I do with this money? So I stopped the campaign at three and a half thousand dollars because regardless of 
whether like if they cover the surgery that three thousand dollars is still going to go to my recovery yeah because I'm not going to be able to work for six weeks I'm not going to be able to like uh, there's travel there's food there's my caretaker like there's a lot like it's not just the ten thousand dollars so when you think about trans folks that are in even more financially marginalized positions it's terrifying it's terrifying like I, and I was thinking, like, what what about trans folks who don't have someone to take care of them post-op? Mm-hmm. What about that? Like, a, a pipe dream of mine is to start, like, a trans doula service oh, to neat. be someone who takes care of, of people after their surgeries and get funding, like, get there's them money to do that. There's fucking sure a market there. Yeah, dude. There's yeah. A, I mean, there's a, I mean. But I, I, I wouldn't want trans folks to pay for it is the thing. Right. Like, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, if they could pay for it, they would pay for some, yeah. you know. Yeah. But so I would want it to be, yeah. Like figuring out that model would be, but if someone is listening and they want to figure that out, they're more than welcome. So I don't <laughs> have to. <laughs> yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I saw you were writing something down there. Did you? Oh no, I'm just I keeping step notes. On I, I keep notes so that I, um, when I do my episode write up, I remember all the things we talked about as nice. they, they come up. Right. Sure. But um, I, I I am thinking a lot about your music and mm-hmm. how much. Like, do you use your music as well as a form of sort of uh, sharing information on these particular subjects or is that separate? I mean, yes and no. I mean, my music comes from a a deeply personal place, but I also think it comes from a deeply universal place, like a lot of music. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, there are songs that are kind of cryptically written about experiences like dysphoria um there are songs that are written about my experience like yeah growing up and feeling kind of alone um and you know i think i think it in it it the music ties into more of like my own personal narrative as just a human mm-hmm. um i don't really go in with like an essay in mind like i find i find that any art that kind of has an agenda t- before it has um an art form mm-hmm. uh kind of just turns into an essay right. and people remember the essay and they don't remember the art yeah and uh so i i i kind of just go with my gut around my music but i definitely you like if i have like i i find that being a trans musician there aren't like a lot of us yeah. um that are getting uh any kind of bones <laughs> thrown at us right. and now that i kind of things are starting to pick up a little bit uh i'm i definitely can see myself using my platform more and more and more uh to bring light to the issues especially in in small towns i was gonna say Mm. because what you were talking about kind of earlier made me think i've you know i've heard i've heard a lot of people express this concern recently Mm -hmm. with the climate of all kinds of things being like I don't want to be the poster child for that particular argument in that particular place, you know? And I felt like I was hearing you kind of say that Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, But I always wonder, I always feel that artists have this privilege once they have a following and once Mm -hmm. they have a voice that um, people listen to and relate to. And like you said, your lyrics, your songs are universal, you know, the mm-hmm. loneliness that you may have felt when you were younger. I could hear that and feel yeah. that and relate to it in a, in a different way. But then 
I was going to ask if there was any part of you that thought you have a responsibility. Yeah, I think I do. I think I do. I think if you have any kind of capital, whether it be social or financial, which my capital is definitely not financial, <laughs> um, I think it's important to use it to, to uh, I think, it, or at least redistribute it in some way, you know, mm-hmm. if that makes yep. sense. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's something that I talk about frequently and I'm pretty transparent about my experience accessing top surgery because it's just something that people don't think about. It's like, oh, well we live in Canada and so everybody has the healthcare they need. The end. And it's like, well, no, actually like I've been trying to get this surgery for two years, two and a half years, three years, three years. Yep. Three years. Mm -hmm. And only now am I getting a probably maybe. Mm. Right. You know. someday yeah. yeah someday soon exactly yeah. i definitely i definitely yeah. feel the same way like you if you when you, when you have a platform where there's a lot of ears or eyes on what you are up to i mm-hmm. think you are i really strongly feel that you are responsible and obliged mm-hmm. to use that yeah uh in in whatever way you can to stand up for the things that you truly believe in yeah. you know the issues that you believe in um yeah yeah I, I, that, that death symposium I was speaking at a couple of weeks ago that like, I really came to like realize that, uh, after, after hearing these, these doctors, um, basically speaking about, uh, palliative care in, in homeless communities yeah and Whoa. the lack thereof Whoa. and, and what people are doing to like offer that. And man, what a, it was such a fucking like heart-wrenching thing to hear about and something I never thought about you yeah, know it's like imagine. what do what how do homeless people die when they are dying yeah even when they're given the choice you know yeah. um and there's these like I know this is so off topic but I just find it so interesting there's there's these people in in um uh, in Toronto and in in Calgary these two different programs and it's like mobile palliative care units for oh, wow. homeless um and uh, just yeah and so and so anyway it came up in conversation during this panel where it was like if you have any sort of platform Mm -hmm. and if there's anything that you strongly believe and need support and there needs to be like help or awareness spread for you know a marginalized group yeah you are you are fucking it up yeah for everyone else if you are not standing up for that and saying something you know and Totally. Yeah. Good totally. question. I, I, yeah. I, I definitely, uh, and like, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, totally. it, it's only, it's only going to help every, it's, it's going to help yourself. It's going to help everyone else involved. Every Right. But I mean, I think that there's also <laughs> like, there's an issue that, you know, one thing that I think about a lot is, um, is, is safety, you know, mm. visibility doesn't necessarily mm. equal safety. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, yes, there's been an amazing, like, the the conversation around trans rights has come to the forefront of the com- of like the global mm-hmm. My, yeah mindset view or whatever yeah but 2018 statistically has been the, like there have been so many recorded deaths of trans mm-hmm. trans women yeah. particularly yeah. trans women of color mm-hmm. um because they're they're easily the most marginalized group because they stand against everything that the patriarchy represents um mm-hmm. and so it's it's like okay yes we're getting more visibility but 
is anything actually happening to come and protect us? It has you know? to. It has to be though. Yeah, it I, has I to be. I feel like it must be. Like there's, there's, be. Th- fuck, I would hope. I yeah. would hope. You know what I mean? Like, I there, mean, I would hope too. But like statistically speaking, it's just it doesn't look like it's. I mean, uh, that that I mean, that's that's me being cynical. And I want obviously, I want thing like I want there to be more protection in place mm-hmm. for trans folks. But it's also like when institutions are just failing to see the need for you know like there's yeah. there's like where it, do you even start yeah where do you well that's the thing where <laughs> do you start but but I do think that you know with the, one of the places to start is mm-hmm. to put a foot down oh, and totally. like speak the fuck up yeah, yeah. you know and it's like it cuz it it has to start there yeah cuz that's that's where it's going to affect the people who are who don't know what they don't even know yeah right and and allow them to go hey yeah wait yeah i i also want to speak up for this too because i feel like this is this is important yeah you know i I don't know yeah (laughs) the world is like yeah there's there's a lot happening in the world yeah there's there's a lot happening in the world and there like as much as there is support there's also like i think it's important to acknowledge like there's a staggering amount of Mm -hmm. oppression like active oppression of trans folks happening Mm -hmm. and that's not something that you can just ignore like that. Like, so when I, when I do like, I don't know, I was, I was thinking about it even just in terms of like doing safer spaces work at my shows. And like, what if like some, you know, angry white guy comes and like, you know, like who has been said no to Mm -hmm. for his actions, like, you know, like, like what is actually in place for protection? of mm-hmm. people in, in my community, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> I have hope. I do have hope. It's just, yeah. I, uh, I, I really like, um, on a sick kind of level, I guess maybe love to see when like businesses, uh, like big companies, mm-hmm. like very publicly support, uh, LGBTQ or trans or like, you know, in in a way where they have customers like really angry about it and yeah they're like well we won't miss you Bye. yeah exactly yeah. exactly um, but it just makes me think of like um when you talk about safe spaces and like inclusive spaces mm-hmm. um we work at like lots of yoga studios all over the world mm-hmm. and um finally i was at this i've never i've never seen it uh gracefully done in in a yoga studio around here but I went to this pool in France and the change rooms were literally like you walk in a stall in one door mm-hmm. you change you come out the next stall you're in the shower you come out and it's ever there's no gender separation yeah. at all it's no. just like a stall system and I was like oh how could that work at our studio we'd have to do major renovations oh, yeah. right yeah. but like think of the amount of like i don't go to yoga studios particularly for that reason right yeah mm. i don't go to gyms for that reason mm-hmm. because i know there's going to be some gendered bullshit yeah and i'm not going to feel safe in the men's change room i'm just not Mm-mm. and you know i just don't i don't know if i feel like i'll feel physically safe in the women's change room but there's just like a dissonance that just fucks with my head too much Mm -hmm. so i'm just like Mm -hmm. no (laughs) i'd rather not i'd rather not gendered because it was just a bathroom there's a room with a toilet in it 
but it was actually a room with two toilets in it. Like it was just like a, a, like a private bathroom, but there were two toilets next to each other. Okay, in Russia, I went to a bathroom in Russia and I opened the door and it was two toilets, but they were facing each other. Yeah. No. Yeah, That's, one on either that end. That is my nightmare. I literally wake up having nightmares about that. I was like, how the, what the fuck's the point of this? How do you use I this? Know, but I hate it. It's for moral support. Yeah. yeah. This is moral yeah. support. I don't even have to go, but I'll sit here. I'm wow. with you. That's so funny. When I was a kid, I used to like, I, I was like really, um, I was super attached to my mom as a kid. And so I used to like actually go to the bathroom with my mom. With like head. I used to just like sit and like watch on the bathroom. Or not watch. I didn't like, anyway, I would sit on the edge of the bathtub and just like wait for my mom to be done. I but used was, to take my little sister with me every single time. Cause oh, I was like, I need someone to talk to. I need someone to and talk to. And she'd just sit in the tub or whatever. And. That's so great. cute. Well, that's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Um, what would you say, like, how, how would you, what would you say about the current sort of climate here in Charlottetown? Because I know, I know we talk about it a lot, but like mm-hmm. PEI is kind of like one of those places where it's like, ah, they're just a little bit backwards. Like they're still just behind everything. Yeah, totally. What would you, what would you say about the, the current sort of state in um, how people are navigating these conversations mm-hmm. here on the island now? Well, I, I generally, I try to um, only kind of associate with myself with people that I know are open-minded and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend group is great. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, I, I generally try to kind of like, if they're like, I tend to do a lot of uh, interviews with like the local news so when that happens i just take precautions for myself like don't read the fucking comments ever because that's yeah yeah yeah. so there's like (laughs) there's there's a certain amount i mean i don't like if i go into small towns i'm generally with someone kind of deal Mm -hmm. um so there's like i take into i take my safety into consideration a lot in this place which I don't as much in larger cities, which I think speaks some levels. That being said, I also think it's not as bad as one from like a larger city might think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Navigating the conversations with folks, I just kind of don't like, like if I'm, if it's in a formal context, I kind of just don't allow room for like my identity to be up for discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a personal boundary that I set because it's just like no, I'm not. I'm not going to discuss why you should use my pronoun. Mm-hmm. My pronoun is this. Like, yeah. If you're using another pronoun, I'm going to correct you, and because you're not correct, yeah. it's just it's one of those those things that I I kind of like. There are times when I allow room for dialogue, but for my own emotional safety, I often don't on like. A, a passing level because it could so easily become all you fucking talk about yeah and like mm. there, like the, i've had like negative experiences like at bars for example like i was outside like a few like six or seven months ago or maybe no it was like last year um but i was just out and we were talking outside of a bar and then uh, this woman comes up to me and uh, like we were all just talking and she was like, oh, like this girl, w- look, look, honey, this girl wears an earring the way I wear an earring. And I was like, oh, well, I'm actually like my pronouns are they like I'm not a girl. She was like, 
are you one of those gender neutral people? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I am actually like, I wasn't, I wasn't being mean about it. It was like, Oh, just so you know. And, uh, and she starts like going off on me. Like, do you have a womb? Do you have that? Like, and I was like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. And it's like those, those, um, those exchanges, are violent yeah. for me. Yeah. That fucked with my head for like a good two months. Yeah. You know, I didn't go out to a bar like for a few weeks after that because I was like, what if I see this woman? Yeah. You know, it's also, yeah, in PEI, like if you see someone that is like, that is unsafe to you, um, you th- you worry about whether you're going to see them or not. Yeah, because yeah, it's a small fucking town. It's a small fucking town. <laughs> it's a small fucking town. And that's why, like, doing safer spaces work here can be so complex. Mm-hmm. You know? Anyway, it's mm. a whole other conversation. How do you enforce safer spaces? Like, is that what we were talking about earlier when you were saying, you know, we call it safe space, but how do we protect ourselves? Well, I don't Should- believe in safe space. I think safer spaces is like, the, it's, I, there's just no such thing as a safe space because it's a constant, um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. In PEI, it's really difficult. Um, safer spaces work, I often do with, like, I bring in um, people that aren't, like that that are qualified in de-escalation work and aren't oh, okay. like yeah like I don't it's it like I've been the only one who's actively been doing it at my shows and like I know that there are like certain venues and places that have like policies but there's no actual enforcement to my knowledge mm. of said policies other than like if it's reported to them that they'll like ask yeah. the person to leave but that also like isn't totally effective because it doesn't 100% protect the survivor um so yeah doing safer spaces work I'm currently in touch with a few different organizations um in Canada at large and here in PEI and we're working to develop a team of people that um because I just I like it's another thing where I don't want to be the face of this movement yeah. I don't want to like I'm working at the discretion of survivors and they're my priority and I'm not interested in engaging in the politicky bullshit around it. Like if someone is an unsafe person, they're an unsafe person. Mm-hmm. The end. Um, that being said, I'm also not qualified to to um, <laughs> like I'm not a counselor. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not a social worker. I'm not mm-hmm. like this is just something I do to protect me and other survivors at my shows. And. I think that there should... So we're working to get, like, a pool of people together that are qualified that any band or any person that's running an event can hire or, um, yeah, just have available at their their event. And they can be, like, touchstones for anybody that needs um, something to happen that would make a space safer for them. Right. Um, But, yeah, I just, like... They're like, I love yeah. this idea of them being like kind of really skilled bouncers. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. Well they're not they're not bouncers. That's the thing. It's yeah. like they're they're kind of just like the middle, bouncers. The middlemen <laughs> between the bouncer and the and Ooh. the right, yeah. and the survivor, right? Because but the de escalation part of that is so important. It's so important. And like, you know, and the reason I'm making this team is because like I've been put in situations where it's like survivors have gotten in touch with me and I don't have a team in place and it's like oh shit yeah like 
well, I'm not going to let this person into like, yeah. So it's like, what do you do? But if I just had the team at my disposal or like if anyone had the team at their disposal or members of the team at their disposal, it's, it would just like make the situation a whole lot less complex. So Mm. you've declared your, your show a safer space. And then someone comes up and taps you and says, uh, FYI, if this is supposed to be a safer space, that person shouldn't be there. Yeah. And then you realize, oh shit. I actually don't know. I'm not the best person. Yeah. Well, no, I don't. That. I don't declare my shows safer spaces if I don't have a team. Right. I don't do that. Yeah. No. I like because that's scary. That yeah. that's where it can get really scary. Um, but I also have like a policy at my shows where I say anybody can be asked to leave for whatever reason without without um question. Wow. And by paying cover and walking into the show, you're agreeing to that. Right. Um. So yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's not a witch hunt. It's not, you know, but if like, if there's some seedy shit, I don't want it around. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Good vibes only. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Good vibes yeah. only, please. Yeah. God. Um, what were you going to say? No, you go ahead. <laughs> um, so just, just to veer back a little bit more t- towards uh, sexual escapades. Um, <laughs> Are, would you we were having a conversation yesterday about um through this podcast i've actually realized i'm i'm quite vanilla like i'm not really i don't have a lot of kinks i'm not really i like i'm into spanking a bit that's real but um yeah one of the things that we sometimes ask is like what anything float in your boat in particular these days? oh my god a lot floats my boat <laughs> <laughs> it's like i um i don't know like anything specifically uh well, I went to like a really cute bondage party. Um, Here like, on the in, island? No, in Halifax. Oh, like, or okay. not in Halifax. It was in Nova Scotia. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, it was really adorable. It was like How it do like you have an adorable. I know. It was show. so exactly adorable. I was like I walked. <laughs> like we got there super super late, and and it was actually my first um, experience. Like usually, like when I'm in those situations, I'm like the exhibitionist like I'm like I'm at the center of the, like I want to be right the fuck in there but we Ooh. got in there super late like at like three in the morning was oh, this wow. in Amherst no no okay. no. it okay. was like way the fuck out in the country okay um, I know there's a pretty pretty like active kink community in Amherst no yeah. shit that's fascinating I know I know yeah <laughs> I that's like that. that's like where all the that's where all like the fat life people were hanging out oh before my God. is that where all the swinger parties happen yeah, yeah 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 I like love a, that yeah. that's I, so funny it might be different now because it's a lot of it's in oh Halifax my Drummers from Amherst. Ooh. Yeah, there was there was like a kink Hilarious. club there that people were going to and stuff. Yeah. I'm shocked. This was like years ago though, so I don't really know. Anyway, so I was like, oh my you god, did ask you ask your drummer? You yeah. No, I mean he's not. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> live there anymore. But uh, no, so I, I went to this party and it was it was really sweet. We got there super late and like Blondie was playing in the background and oh, it nice. was just like a bunch of friends just like showing each other knots and it was like it was super wholesome it was like the most wholesome Aww. like and yeah so I got there and I was like like everybody had kind of already uh discussed their but so I was sort of just like sitting on the side but it was also really interesting to just sort of see the dynamics of like the more experienced tires and you know like yeah. how communication was happening I think it's like it's important like as someone like when I navigate those situations like or anybody who navigates those situations frequently um, to be able to take a step back and actually see like, oh, so this is how this person communicates that. That's a really interesting way of mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. That's so, fun. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of cute. 
I feel would imagine <laughs> that watching I just pictured you watching that scenario unfolding and thinking about you as a performance artist yeah. and someone with a body who yeah. uses it to understands body language mm-hmm. and expression and yeah. that kind of way and just watching that little dance happen yeah well I mean it's also like being a performance artist like I've been in situations where I've actually been assaulted in performance and that shit is really freaky right yeah dude with like 30 cameras on you like it's because and they think it's just a part of the performance it's a total nightmare right um and so like stepping back and checking in with what like how I communicate and how my partners whether it be like a sexual partner or a performance partner and I are communicating it's it's I think it's really important to constantly take a step back and look at that and you know because like there are situations like you know particularly in bondage like where you know if you are being tied and then you like say like you lose track of your partner and like if you're at a party and then you are tied and you don't want to be tied anymore and then you don't know where your partner is like that can be a really scary feeling Mm -hmm. right and so like that's also like important I don't know it's just communication is really it's it's it like communication has been coming to the forefront of my consciousness for the past few months like I thought I was a good communicator before but now I'm starting to realize like oh shit there is a lot that I need to be Mm -hmm. like voicing just in terms of my own personal safety and the safety of my partners too yeah 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 that's that's like a a a point that comes up on the show constantly Mm -hmm. is how is how key and important communication is and also how like it's never enough work like no. there's always work to be done on your own no totally like, totally like just it's, when it's i think constant. i have it down i'm like oh, yeah yeah like, you know something like and that's yeah. that's with emotional community like yeah it's it's all it's all super important i think i'm a pretty good communicator until i'm not anymore right yeah, exactly, exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> until yeah, exactly. i fucking snap yeah and i'm like oh, you have no idea how cool and calm yeah. i have been for the last two hours but i have had enough right yeah. right and then and then i'm irrational totally and like oh man dude yeah, yeah. that's when it's like communication <laughs> yeah. is like yeah oh my god how okay, do i so reel this reel it back and then, uh, <laughs> yeah. so funny. when you said this it made me feel this <laughs> and it's like yeah it's yeah. yeah, this is fucking frustrating because all is... I want to do right now is put your head through a wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate I... your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's also like you have to like, I think it's important to be able to laugh about like, because I think that they're like, especially with the... Um, the i the way that romanticization or romance has been presented to us in so many media con- like where you're supposed to just know how your partner is feeling mm-hmm. right like there's mm-hmm. that magical myth mm-hmm. um like if you're properly in tune with your partner <laughs> you're going to get it immediately yeah. or that you know if you're you know if you're true soulmates you're not going to have to have that conversation and it's total fucking bullshit um totally yeah. but i find that like it, it is something that uh people can internalize a lot and by people i mean me um and i'm sure i'm not the only one so it's like yeah unpacking that is a constant too i think just like unpacking like the messages that are sent to us about love yeah in 
It honestly yeah. feels like unpacking the same suitcase for eternity. Totally. You know what that's I mean? What oh, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. analogy right there. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. I'm like, I yeah. dealt with that. I No, I already emptied that suitcase. I have been yeah. through that. And then you're doing it again. You're like, there it fucking why, is. Why will this never leave yeah. me? It's yeah. haunting me. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. There's never enough hangers. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> wait, take everything off sorry, the hangers. Sorry, wait. Is, am I in the analogy? Are we am, I t- am I talking about home right now? Because <laughs> yeah. there's never fucking enough hangers. I don't, where are they going? Where are the hangers? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time we've had this argument. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Um, Russell, we're coming up to time here, but if there was one thing that you'd want to leave our listeners with, what what would that be? I bet it's your Patreon account. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, that's over. Um, uh, Jesus. Okay. Um, don't good vibes only. Good vibes only. No, I'm sorry. I don't say that. Uh, no, I would just say um, have hold space for the struggles that trans folks are going through, mm-hmm. and do your research. Do your research constantly. Um, don't assume that anybody owes you anything in terms of information or emotional labor. But also, don't be closed off to when there is a learning opportunity. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How uh how can you be how can one be graceful in the moments of inadvertently offending someone and being called out yeah. about it? Um sit with your discomfort. Mm. Sit with your discomfort and the best thing I think that you can say and this is like as someone who has also been called out for bullshit. Yeah. Um, because everybody, like if you were born super woke, that's great. But I <laughs> fucking wasn't. Yeah. Um, I don't know who, anyone who is. Uh, I think it's important to just say, Hold, like, I'm sorry. I hear you. Um, I don't really know what to say right now, but I'm going to unpack this and just take a step back. Like, mm. let them know that they've been heard. And that you're going to do the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the best thing that you can do. And I mean, it also depends on the situation yeah. too, right? Totally. Um, yeah. Letting them know that they've been heard, I think, is a really, mm-hmm. really key part there. Yeah. Like, I hear you. I'm sorry that I breached that boundary. Mm. Like... And then go and sit with your discomfort. Like, where are you feeling that in your body? Why mm. are you feeling that in your in that part of your? You know, like there's yeah. like just Be understanding about it a little. Yeah, yeah. Like unpack it seriously. Unpack it physically, mentally, emotionally. Like, you know, and it's hard work, but it's it's necessary, and everybody has to. It's do it. It's rewarding work too. It's rewarding work, like to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Yeah, that's what I would say. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking your time to come Absolutely. in today. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm and uh, I'm so. I you keep saying the PIs a little bit backwards, but I, when we come to record here, I'm like, man, we have the best people, though. It's true. It's true. We have yeah. the. That's no, true. I don't know. Yeah. It's my favorite interviews happen yeah. here. Yeah. Good. Um. And thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another fantastic episode, as always. But in the meantime. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button and tell five of your friends because all of those things are super important in keeping us on the iTunes charts so that more people can hear the important conversations just like this one. Um, And we can just spread more awareness, spread more wokeness, uh, if you will. 
And uh, if you want to support the podcast in other ways, uh, we would hella appreciate it. You can go over to www.patreon.com slash turn me on. And there's a bunch of uh, exclusive content there and fun stuff that you can you can check out if you uh, if you if you subscribe through our Patreon. Um, and if you want to reach out to us. Uh, you can find us on uh, turnmeonpodcast.com. There are submission forms if you want to be a guest or if you have a brain boner that you'd like <laughs> us to take a little stab at. We'd be happy to. We're also on Instagram um, at turnmeonpodcast. Uh, yep. And you can also email us, turnmeonpodcast at gmail.com. That is it for this week. Mm-hmm. Until next week. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I love that. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.